Well, welcome to the Christmas week edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and it is Movie Monday. Yes, we have no, we're not talking a Christmas movie or a traditional Christmas-type story like you would typically think, but we do have a great movie to talk about this hour and an opportunity for you to win a copy or two or three. Well, you can't win three, but uh, you can win it. we do have three copies of the movie to give away. It's about the life of Christ. It's a f- powerful new movie. Uh, that's based on a classic book by Dr. D. James Kennedy and Dr. Jerry Newcomb, and Jerry's going to join us later on in this hour to talk about the answer to the question, what if Jesus had never been born? You know, the the world is has grown so hostile toward Christian values over the years, and I can remember a time, I honestly remember a day when we would hear about persecution in parts far and wide of the world, and it typically involved people who were Jewish or people who were, I think about the uh, Yazidi Muslims who aren't super radical, but uh, they're not, you know, uh, they're still devout in their faith. And they were usually the targets of that kind of oppression. But a few years ago, it turned out that Christians became the most persecuted people group in the world. And oftentimes, I mean, I share stories of Christian persecution uh, for a couple reasons. First of all, because it's important for us in the body of Christ to be praying for our brothers and sisters, no question about that. Secondly, because in spite of the fact that there's a lot of discrimination against people who are Christians in the United States and a lot of the Western world, the full-blown persecution has not hit our shores yet. The question is, when will it hit? Um, I can remember, uh, gosh, this is probably 50 years ago now almost, uh, being in high school being part of a youth group, and we had a really innovative church. We had a senior pastor at our Lake Hills Community Church back when uh, Harold Liesma planted that church off of Garden Grove Community Church. And then there was a guy, a younger guy by the name of Dr. Robert Wise. And Dr. Liesma wasn't exactly an old man. I mean, he was he was probably in his 50s. But by then, you know, the shelf life of pastors, hey, you're in your 50s, you could cl- get close to 60, and you're pretty much out the door. They were already looking to, you know, the possibility of, you know, bringing someone on who was kind of young and, you know, uh, had some things going on. And Robert Wise was that guy. Dr. Wise was, uh, he was a, he had a young family, uh, whereas the Lisba family, the kids were a lot older. And uh, he brought some innovative ideas. We had a Sunday night worship service that used to meet, uh, our church met, for those of you who are familiar with the Saddleback Valley area of Southern California. Our church first met at Los Alisos Intermediate School for a couple of years. As a matter of fact, this March the 11th will be the 50th anniversary of that rainy day when we didn't think anybody was going to come to our first church service. And we had two services packed to overflowing in the social hall at this brand new middle school. Um, but then after a couple of years, there was a brand new high school up the road called El Toro High School. And El Toro had just opened up and we met in the gymnasium there. So we had two Sunday morning services in the gym that were packed. And then on Sunday night, we had a Sunday night worship service that met in the little theater. And we had, it was all youth driven. We had a uh, high school age choir that used to sing uh, just about every Sunday. It was a lot of fun. It was a, a small, smaller gathering. And Dr. Wise always pre- preached at that service. And one Sunday, he in particular, he decided that we were going to get to experience what Christians in Europe and the Soviet Union at the time were experiencing. And so we had a worship service that was basically being held in secret. Dr. Wise showed up and instead of wearing, uh, he used to wear a sport coat or a robe. Uh, this time he wore kind of like a gray turtleneck and he had a beret on and 
we we did a lot of the, the we just used the the natural lighting in the room which was the exit signs and maybe one work light on the stage and we we sang without microphones we sang it was very a cappella it was very kind of hushed tones and then at one point they had a couple of guys from the college group who were dressed up like what the SS or the KGB or whatever and in the middle of the sermon they interrupted the worship service they came in and they just said Robert Wise you're under arrest for uh, you know, violating some religious ordinance. And they basically handcuffed him and pulled him out of the service. And we all were instructed to leave. And that was the end of the service. It was so jarring. I still remember it. There are so many services that I've been through in my entire life. I don't remember any of them like I do that one. And I remember thinking, wow, I can't imagine what it's like to have to you know, go to church for us was you get up on Sunday morning, get cleaned up, put on your Sunday best and you go hang out for two services because your dad directs the choir and then you go home and watch the NBA or PGA golf or tennis or whatever it is. And, you know, that was a rather naive way of looking at church when I was 12, 13, 14 years of age. But it stuck with me, the worship styles as it bounced around from one denomination to the next. And especially during this year for me, which has been kind of a transitional year, and looking at the things that were kind of eliminated during the pandemic, a lot of churches stopped doing things that they had done for a regular basis and other churches started doing other things or that return to formality was so important for a lot of people. But one thing that is definitely a part of my worship experience now, and I hope it is for yours too, is a, a heart for our brothers and sisters who are getting killed on the regular, as the kids would say, by uh, Islamists. Uh, Dennis Wilson of Wilson Financial Services, by the way, has become a good friend, of course, of our ministry. And uh, Dennis is very, very involved in outreach ministries. Uh, he's been to Africa more times than either one of us can count. He just got back from a trip a couple of months ago. He knows what it's like to see the Christian churches just get torched, uh, literally burned to the ground because of radical Islamists uh, who, remember back, it was in 2015, there was an attack on the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the theater in, in France. And there was a kind of a symbolic march. A lot of uh, uh, Angela Merkel and other world leaders marched through the streets of Paris. And the uh, the president or prime minister of Niger did it. And some of the local radicalized Muslims didn't appreciate what he did because there were, apparently there was kind of a religious overtone to it. And so they went through. There were 92 churches in Niger and they burned them all to the ground. With local authorities watching and kind of turning a blind eye. I didn't see that. Did you see that? I didn't see that. And it was, we rallied together, Dennis and bottom line listeners, to raise enough money to help equip the pastors. It was essential that the Christian pastors do the rebuilding. And the reason it was essential was because everybody, 95% of the country were Muslim and many of them were radicalized. And, you know, the, the whole, what is it, the, uh, the broken window mentality, um, you know, where, where if you see sometimes the way to get some change going in a neighborhood is to throw a rock through a window and then people go, hey, wait, there's a broken window. We should start fixing stuff. But then the people who come in and want to protect you are the people who are actually the thugs and the, you know, the goon squads, as it were. And that was the case there. So it was essential that pastors, Christian pastors from all around the area come in and lead the, the construction and that the monies come from Christian organizations. And we were able to raise enough. I think we wound up helping to rebuild 12 of the churches there, but all 92 of them were rebuilt. Niger, Nigeria, Cameroon, Ivory Coast. I mean, there's so many different places where Christians are being persecuted now and more Christians than ever before. Um, in 
according to the International Society of Civil, Civil Liberties and the Rule of Law, they released their report. Their count is that at least 6,300 Christians in Nigeria have been killed. Well, actually, 4,000 killed and another 2,300 abducted that they know of. Uh, between January and October, the Fulani herdsmen and Islamic terrorists groups were responsible for 2,650 of the 4,000 Christian deaths. Other terror groups like Boko Haram, uh, the Islamic State in West Africa province and Ansara are responsible for 450 of them. Meanwhile, the Fulani bandits are claiming responsibility for another 3,700 and they've abducted over 2,300 people. It is estimated that about 10% of the Christians who were in fact abducted were in fact killed as a result. And the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, uh, it, it's so interesting because they uh, have said that religious freedom rights in Nigeria are under threat because of increased violence, but the Biden White House has been reluctant to actually put Nigeria on one of those terror watch lists. Of course, the, uh, the, the, the charges they bring against our brothers and sisters are really kind of scandalous, blasphemy, uh, violence. They, they will say, well, we have justification for killing them or taking them captive because their worship incites violence. It's rather interesting. And some actually have been charged with advising the federal government on issues of religious freedom, and that doesn't work. Over the past two decades, at least 60,000 Christians in Nigeria alone have paid the ultimate price for their faith. So brothers and sisters, I just I share that as an encouragement to you. First and foremost to say where you are listening to the bottom line show, you might face religious discrimination, but the persecution is still a ways away. And that's not something to be encouraged about. That's just a, a reality check. But it is coming. And the question is how are we going to gird up? Um, we'll put this article up at thebottomlineshow.com and I encourage you to uh, take a look at it. We'll take a quick break and as we continue, it is Movie Monday. And there is a new movie that's been streaming in various different places, and now DVDs are available of it as well. It's a perfect movie for this time of year, and especially in the season that we're in, not only the Christmas season, but also the fact that Christians are being challenged for faith issues more than ever before. And we need to be able to have better conversations with people outside the church who would just like to dismiss it. You know, that, that New York Times columnist who just randomly pulls part of a Bible verse to try to justify some kind of crazy leftist behavior. Um, Jerry uh, Newcomb is going to join me on the other side of this break. Dr. Jerry Newcomb is the executive director of the Providence Forum. He is also co-conspirator, if you will, and I say that in a good way, with the late Dr. D. James Kennedy on a book about 25 years ago called What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? They have since turned this book into a documentary that has just been released. It's been streaming on various multiple video platforms, and there is a new DVD available of it. And we're going to give you a chance here on Movie Monday to win that. So if you want to get our phone number down, it's 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Dr. Jerry Newcomb and I will start our, our discussion on what if Jesus had never been born. That's coming up next as the bottom line continues. When you're injured in an accident, you just want to be treated like a human being. But when you are denied what you need to make a quick and full recovery, it can feel dehumanizing. Stephanie Cover puts her client's total healing first, and that means fighting for a settlement that respects you as a human being. 
The insurance companies don't necessarily care about why you need a settlement, but they know that it means they will lose money. Stephanie will stand up for a dollar amount that values your life and the full process of your complete restoration. Even when the insurance companies are doing their best not to pay you, you have a leg up because Stephanie Covery used to work for those same insurance companies. Getting you well-positioned for your full physical, financial, and spiritual recovery is Stephanie's goal in working with you. Save her number now or call 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Then fill out a contact form at kbrightradio.com slash coverlaw. Stephanie Cover, she knows the other side. Well, today here on The Bottom Line, we're going to ask a question that many of you may have considered before, but uh, especially now here as we're nearing the end of 2022 and the start of 2023, what if the greatest person who ever lived had never been born? Joining me to answer that question and talk about a fascinating new film series that explores it in greater detail is Dr. Jerry Newcomb, who's the executive director of the Providence Forum, working with D. James Kennedy Ministries. We've got a link for this fascinating new documentary up at thebottomlineshow.com. Jerry Newcomb, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Thank you, Roger. Good to be with you again. What I, I love this question. I mean, I love good questions. I mean, obviously, that's what I do for a living is ask people questions. Mm. But what what was the genesis of putting this whole project together? I'm sure there are a lot of people who are saying, well, OK, I kind of believe in God. I'm not really sure about Jesus. But for us as Christians, asking the question, what if Jesus had never been born? That's really huge. Well, ultimately, uh, uh, Dr. Kennedy and I joined forces back about literally 25 years ago or more, just slightly more. And we combined to write this book, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? And now there's a new film based on it. But the, the book really took two key ideas. One was the, the idea that you see in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, which at the time was America's favorite Christmas movie, maybe even right. America's favorite movie. And it shows what Jimmy Stewart, the Jimmy Stewart character, what life would be like had he never been born. And he realizes he made a positive difference in people's lives and he hadn't even thought about that well we thought you know when you look at history history has been incredibly impacted by jesus christ in in unbelievable ways and so it was our goal to just even in a sense scratch the surface and we said in the preface of the book the introduction that this is there are a lot of books about church history, and in a sense, this is a book about church history. Only instead of going century by century, we went category by category. Mm. How did Jesus Christ through the church influence the value of human life? How did Jesus Christ through the church and the gospels and so forth influence charity? How did Christianity influence science? How did it influence good government, uh, the founding of America? How did it influence economics? And the answers are surprising. And it just shows that, wow, if Jesus had never been born, there's a lot of positive things we would not have in our world. And, uh, or we can put it this way, put it positively. Because Jesus was born, we can trace these different things, things yes. we might not even have thought about. I mean, mm -hmm. for example, there's a strong, strong link between literacy in, a, in a widespread literacy, especially in a culture and prosperity. And it was the Christian church more than any institution that brought literacy for the masses so that people could read the Bible for themselves. Hundreds of languages, hundreds of languages around this world were first set to writing 
uh, in other words, uh, maybe they were spoken, but never written down. Right. There was never even an alphabet in some cases. They were first set to writing by Christian missionaries for the purpose of translating the Bible or portions of the Bible or Christian liturgy into that as of yet unwritten tongue. And we've got all the documentation on that. I mean, that particular uh, fact, and it's it's seen in other sources, of, of course, but Kenneth Scott Latourette was a great uh, church historian, taught at Yale, died in the late 60s. And he's the one you know, that we have the source for that and so forth, as well as others, as I said. But bottom line is, when you when you peel back the onion and you just start tracing things, you see, oh, the Christian faith played a huge role uh, in, in our world, especially for a lot of these positive things. Dr. Jerry Newcomb is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, and I'm really enjoying this conversation as he's so animated and passionate about the book, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born, and now this new documentary film based on the book. We've got links for both up at thebottomlineshow.com. It's easy to find it if you go to djameskennedy.org forward slash Jesus. It's all right there. Uh, you mentioned a number of different categories, uh, Dr. Newcomb, that I would love to uh, dive in deep on each one of them, but for the the sheer fact that we don't have a ton of time to go into each one Let, let's take a couple that i think you know christmas is coming up people might be getting together there are those who are christians who will be celebrating with people who are culturally celebrating christmas they don't really care necessarily about jesus but they hadn't really given him much thought can you talk about uh, uh something like the the arts for example i mean a, a lot of the people you know, a lot of people will look at the arts and say okay well artistic expression is whatever the artist wants it to be Jesus put a different stamp on that. Talk about that. Yes, uh, we have a whole chapter you know, on music and the arts. And I think a case can be made that some of the greatest of arts, you know, all around the world have Jesus Christ as the as the, the focus. Uh, yes. Just before you and I had this conversation, I was listening uh, here to Handel's Messiah. And mm. I, to me, this is the, the zenith of Western civilization written in 1742. Or that's where it was first performed. And uh, it's just so unbelievable, but it's all focused on scripture. A, a contemporary of Handel, Johann Sebastian Bach, helped create uh, a, a revolution in music as far as the scales that he did. And he dedicated all of his notes. In fact, I learned this in a secular music appreciation class in history, church history. I'm, I'm sorry, not church history, music history at Tulane University. Bach donate or dedicated every single note he wrote to the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. We know that on the top of his pages, he would put SDG, Soli Deo Gloria. He was a very committed Lutheran. Much of his music, in fact, centers around focusing on Jesus Christ and was used in the churches, Bach cantatas. Mm -hmm. And that's just, you know, one example, music. And, and by the way, Bach's revolution in music even influences music to this day. Now, in the 20th century, there was a breakdown in some ways, just like there's been a breakdown in, in the visual arts uh, as the cultures moved away in some ways uh, from, from God and from Christianity and so forth. Uh, and so then there's been, you know, kind of less of, of this, the kind of form and the order. It's almost as like we, we've gone in our art from celebrating beauty to uh in effect trumpeting chaos i mean mm. you could see this in you know, the visual arts now picasso for example was a brilliant artist and capable of 
all kinds of different forms, but he chose later, you know, to to have a, an eye over here and a leg over there and a, <laughs> right. you know, a foot over here. And, and the idea of it there is is that life is meaningless. And, you know, if there is no God, life is meaningless. Amen. But there is a God. Now, I don't know in, in, you know, the details about Picasso and his own particular thing. In fact, somebody, I wrote an article, in fact, talking about meaningless in art. And I was talking about this very thing that, that in the, when the Christianity helped inform the milieu and then many of these art forms were even being developed or they were uh, further being explored in, in greater ways. Uh, there was meaning because God is the meaning behind life. God has yeah. made us. He has made human beings in his image and so forth. Each artist is almost like a mini creator, you know, in their own little universe. If yeah. you will. But when people started to reject the Christian consensus, if we could call it that, they started to reject Christianity. And so then art often became meaningless. And, you know, one guy said, oh, that's because uh, Picasso was dealing with pain and, you know, you're insensitive to all these kinds of things. But but you look at it and, you, you know, sometimes I see these hideous works of art, let's say in, in front of an airport or something that they probably spent a lot of money to make. And I think, wow, some some guys thinking, wow, He's you know laughing, snickering all the way to the bank, you know those suckers yeah, back there. Right, you know, like, right, what is right. this? You know, in fact, in our book, what if Jesus had never been born? We told a story, a, a little episode from Get Smart, uh, the, the sitcom from back in the sixties. Ah, yes, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don Adams and so forth. Right. And uh, there was a painting that the Maxwell Smart character was showing to his his you know the colleague Agent Ninety Nine. And in this painting, which was totally meaningless, there was a dot right in the middle. And Maxwell Smart said, the whole purpose or the whole meaning of this painting can be seen in that dot. That dot is the focus. It helps integrate the whole message. Then all of a sudden, that dot, which was a fly, flew away. <laughs> <laughs> and Maxwell Smart said, uh, would you believe? You know, uh, but, yeah. but, but seriously, how can you compare say some of these modern works of art where there's a kind of a rebellion against order and logic and and decency even in some cases to let's say a, a medieval cathedral mm -hmm. which was made without the benefit of computers and cads and and you know machines that can move all these things i mean it, it's amazing but you look at those cathedrals they're beautiful beautiful works of art stained glass beautiful works of art who was the most painted who has the, the most painted death in the history of the world? I, I would submit Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, even little crucifixes, you know, on, on uh, the end of rosaries is an example of an artistic representation of the death of Jesus. Very true. And, and even, even the great artists, even, you know, more modern ones, they've created, uh, even many of them even have their own version of the, of the crucifixion. It might be a little strange as far as time and depth, and and so forth space uh and i don't follow that all that stuff but bottom line is when art has meaning and music has meaning jesus christ is often glorified in those things and the church has made a huge huge uh contribution in that whole realm 
That's so wonderful to hear. Boy, this is a fascinating study, and I commend it to our listeners wholeheartedly. The new DVDs are available now. If you go to djameskennedy.org forward slash Jesus, you'll find them. We have a link for the trailer up for this new documentary, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born, up at thebottomlineshow.com. We'll take a quick break and come back with more of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to this Movie Monday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and of course, Movie Monday has been happening every... We're going to take a break after this week, by the way, uh, for Christmas and New Year's, and we'll resume the Movie Monday's uh, second week in 2023. But this is our final Movie Monday for the year 2022, and these have been so so very successful. Today, Movie Monday, we're focusing on a new documentary from D. James Kennedy Ministries and the Providence Forum, asking the question, what if Jesus had never been born? This is a book that D. James Kennedy and Jerry Newcomb wrote several years ago, of course, Dr. Kennedy with the Lord now, but uh, the documentary has been streaming on many multiple platforms, and we have copies of the DVD to give away, three of them, as a matter of fact. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. You're going to encounter a lot of unbelievers this time of year who either have an opinion about Jesus or they don't. And the thing I love about this project is it gives you something, if you want to watch the movie together, it's, it's a fair question. Most people will agree that Jesus is a historical figure for no other reason. And so the, they're there with that, okay? If you've got an unbelieving friend or a family member, you can at least start with, you believe that Jesus lived. Yes, he did. So then you ask the question, okay, well, what if Jesus had never been born? Do you think it would have the, any kind of impact? I saw a meme on social media the other day uh, where somebody was engaged with somebody on a conversation like this. And they said, hey, okay, it's 2022. Can we just get past the whole Christmas is all about Jesus thing? I mean, like he had any kind of impact on the world. And the response to that was, and how do you know it's 2022? What are you using as your measurements for the time and the years that we count? Oh, there we go again. I mean, even our, the way we count our years is based on we're in the year 2022 in the year of our Lord based on the birth and death of Jesus Christ. So, I mean, he he impacts art, uh, music, uh, education, women's rights, uh, the whole gamut. Jesus did have a huge impact, obviously, on the world, and the world would look a lot different if Jesus had never been born. Uh, Three copies of this DVD to give away, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. More of my conversation with Dr. Jerry Newcomb in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Bless your children with the help you've always wanted to give them. Newport Bay Mortgage works with your unique circumstances to explain the benefits of a reverse mortgage in today's market. Act now and provide for your family in need by gifting them a fraction of the fruits of your labor. With Newport Bay Mortgage, you can clarify the advantages of a reverse mortgage in your specific situation with professional insights on the current market. Sharing the rewards of a reverse mortgage is a valuable act of service that helps your loved ones establish valuable financial security for the future. Use the gift from your home to contribute towards God's work and plans by blessing your family in need with real financial help. Make up your mind today to make a difference in the lives of those who mean the most to you. Start by calling Newport Bay Mortgage at 714-741-8080, 714-741-8080. Visit kbrightradio.com slash reverse or NMLS 332959. Newport Bay Mortgage is an equal opportunity housing lender. 
Dr. Jerry Newcomb is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. We're talking about a new documentary film based on the book, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? It's a powerful question to ask and answer. It's streaming in various places, and there are DVDs available as well. We'll be giving a couple away at the end of our conversation today here on The Bottom Line Show. But if you're looking for more information on this product, go to djameskennedy.com dot org forward slash jesus and you'll find it uh jerry we were talking about the arts we talked about uh, uh different aspects of life and there's one part that i think especially this time of year since we're nearing the end of the year and people are thinking about year-end contributions to charities and things of that nature i've noticed that the progressive left in our culture even when it comes to progressive people who pro profess faith in christ have a tendency to see themselves as a lot more charitable benevolent loving giving this that and the other thing but you make the case in the book, What If Jesus Had Been Born, that charity would just be turned completely on its ear, if not dropped off a cliff, were it not for Jesus and his commandment to take care of those who are less fortunate, et cetera, et cetera. Talk about the role that if Jesus had never been born, charity would probably be non-existent in this culture. Yes, I agree. And and before I do that, let me just uh, piggyback on that little, or just make a remark about what sure. you just said about the secular progressives. Because uh, there's a book by Arthur Brooks about 10 years ago that he wrote. And at the time, he was a Syracuse professor. Then he went on to become the president of the American Enterprise Institute. I think now he's at Harvard. Mm -hmm. But anyway, Dr. Brooks uh, wrote this book, Who Really Cares? And he documents that despite all the, you know, what the secular progressives will say about how charitable and how kind they are and so forth, that's just not correct statistically and he was showing how religious people are far more generous in fact he said in that book that i can ascertain through research how generous a person is by asking a question and the question is how often do they go to church do they go to church how often do they go to the church the more they go to church the more generous they tend to be and that is a modern statistic and yet it reflects what's been happening from the first century until our own time. Jesus Amen. Christ told a story one day, a parable about a man in great need and some people, even religious people wouldn't help him, but there was a, a Samaritan. Now, in those days, that was kind of like a half-breed. They were hated. They were looked down upon. They were People were prejudiced against the Samaritans. But Jesus said, this Samaritan, this man showed this kindness and compassion. Well, today, the word Samaritan is a, you know, it basically means somebody who does good, somebody who is, you know, has compassion and so forth. And you know, I've even heard of the Good Samaritan Club and things like that. Right. I remember, ironically, I remember seeing years ago in a business in Chicago on the bulletin board, and it said, we need help for this particular charity. And then it said, religious people need not apply. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. And as I recall, <laughs> even the name of the that particular charity had the word Samaritan in it. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, you know, they just they don't they don't get it. But Jesus even said in Matthew 25, when you give to the needy, you give to the poor, it's as if you're giving to me. So he absolutely unlocked the forces of charity. Uh, when we uh, made this documentary, you know, we show people in action who are being kind and being charitable because of the love of Jesus Christ, such as the, the Bowery mission, uh, you know, in, in New York City and so forth. When we made our first version of the film 
on what if Jesus had never been born. I personally went to England and interviewed in London the, the head, the worldwide head of the Salvation Army. And uh, he has since died. But General Gowans uh, said that, you know, there wouldn't be a savior or there wouldn't be a Salvation Army without the savior. But, but he also said that there are literally around this world hundreds of millions of people receiving help this very day because of the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. And, yeah. and, you know, it's just, that's just true. I mean, you just think about all the different food banks and you think about the different uh, shelters providing uh, education and, and, and a roof over their head and so forth, the orphanages, all the different charities around the world, not only in this country, but all around the world. It's astounding. It's amazing to me as Dr. Jerry Newcomb is talking with us today here on the bottom line about this book and the brand new documentary, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? How many people might plow through and say, okay, well, I know about religion and I know about religious people. And even to the point where some of them would be encouraged not to apply for positions and organizations. But I realize, Jerry, one of the things that we, we see in the culture is the number of people who have, I think George Barna calls them, uh, they have paper smarts. Whereas they've they've earned a degree or two or three, but they really don't know what it means to be wise. They don't really know what knowledge is all about. And that's another aspect of of being a Christian, having Jesus transform our lives and then saying, well, if Jesus had never been born, education would be a free for all. Uh, take a couple moments here as we wrap things up and kind of circle back around. I know you mentioned this at the beginning, but I, yeah. as we're as our minds are being challenged and renewed about to think things through, like, oh, yeah, if Jesus hadn't been born all these areas would be uh, somewhat suspicious. Uh, talk about why it's important to, to place trust in knowledge and wisdom and morality as a part of education, rather than do I have a PhD or a MD or whatever after my name, but I don't really know how to be a good person. Well, through the centuries, the Christian church actually invented an institution that at least historically has meant a lot as far as education, and that is the university. Yeah. And even Many of the great universities, for example, in America, were founded by Christians explicitly for Christian purposes, like Harvard. The original motto for Harvard in Latin was truth for Christ and the church, mm -hmm. Yale, Dartmouth, Princeton. These institutions were founded in order to train ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When our present ministers lie in the dust, that's what it says in stone, even to this day at the entrance at, at Harvard. Uh, education for the masses, for the children, was was done in order so that people could read the Bible for themselves. In fact, the first law in America related to education was called the Old Deluder Satan Act. Actually, that was its kind of its nickname. Uh -huh. As it said, it being one of the chief ends of that Old Deluder Satan to keep men from the Word of God. Well, in this colony, that is Boston, we are going to have it so that when X number of population develops or whatever, we are going to have a school so that they would have schools all the times so that little kids could learn the Bible for themselves. And mm -hmm. and the, the basically the Bible in one way or another, even through primers like the New England primer, was the chief textbook. And what did this produce? It produced a very literate populace wherever those principles were put into practice. So for example, by around 1800, John Adams said to find an illiterate man in New England is as rare as a comet. And uh, the, the, the purpose of the gospel is not to produce all these things, 
These are just byproducts of what it does produce because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Once a person accepts Jesus and knows him, it just transforms their lives. And then if they're faithful in the particular sphere that God has put them, then a lot of time great fruit comes from that. And that's what, what if Jesus has been had never been born is all about just showing this great fruit through the centuries and even in our own time, showing this positive impact of Christ in our world. Well, this is a great project and I highly recommend it. We've got a link up at the bottomlineshow.com for what if Jesus had never been born, both the book as well as the documentary on DVD, djameskennedy.org forward slash Jesus is where you find it. And we'll have that linked up at the bottomlineshow.com. Jerry Newcomb, thank you for your time. The great work you're doing with Providence Forum and the ministry of Dr. D. James Kennedy, which continues uh, even into this day. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from all of us here at the Bottom Line Show. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you too. Thank you, Jerry. And so thank you for being with us today here on the Bottom Line Show. Um, The new documentary, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? Such a compelling question and such a thought-provoking discussion that you can get into with all of your unbelieving friends, even your believing friends too. Um, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. It's Movie Monday here on the Bottom Line Show, our final Movie Monday for 2022. And we have three copies of the DVD of the uh, based on the book, What If Jesus Had Not Been Born? Um, and I get this. Just I really <laughs> encourage you to get it. Take a look at it and then share it with your unbelieving friends. Maybe not ambush them on Christmas Day. I mean, <laughs> but this is the kind of thing where I, I could see it. If you're a pastor, if you're a teacher, if you're in lay ministry, if you work with young people, if you work with older people, this is the kind of, huh, type of documentary that you'll watch and you'll ask and answer a lot of good questions. Questions about the economy, questions about education and mathematics and science. Boy, that's a big one, especially with what we've been through the past couple of years with the pandemic and so many people just accepting science blindly. The science is settled because the scientists told me to. Not realizing that, well, if God is the author of science and we are constantly in a state of uh, flux in terms of the things that we're learning about what's happening in the world and what's happening in in uh, just the scientific community. Um, as my daughter, the researcher, likes to say, Kaylee would always say, the science is never settled. We're constantly challenging, testing, proving, reproving. So this documentary series, if you like a good documentary and if you have never really given the thought, what if Jesus had never been born? This is the documentary for you. Three copies of the DVD available, so we'll have three winners today. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, that's the number to get you through to the bottom line. As we continue, speaking of the birth of Jesus, the crash scene uh, is, has kind of become legendary. Even if you aren't a Christian, the idea of the uh, Christ child, Mary and Joseph, maybe a couple of animals, uh, the manger scene in in the stable because there was no room in the inn. It's kind of become part and parcel, uh, just a big part of the tradition of what happens at Christmas and people celebrate it. Even if you aren't a Christian, there's that cultural remedy. But sometimes there's a lot more meaning and a lot more history to the manger scene than meets the eye. And it's amazing how some people leftists, if you will, will look at something like this and say, I'm going to destroy your symbols of Christmas, and what does that do to your faith? On the other side of this break, a historic church with an ancient nativity scene 
wound up being vandalized not too long ago. I want to tell you the whole story and talk about why it's important for us to hold to these traditions, but also to understand something valuable about the Lord that we could really only learn when an incident like this really happens. We'll talk about that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Well, Dennis Wilson is with me today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh, 800-696-9970, or go to wilson-financial.com. There are a lot of people who have been really taking a bath when it comes to stocks this year, stock market off 25% in some segments, but yet you have a new program that's really designed to help somebody in that situation earn some of that loss back. It's obviously designed to do exactly that. It's a very limited offer on a 16% guaranteed return on your account in an account that in the next two years can never go down. It is a great vehicle to help people who have lost money because of the way the market is. But there is a time limit, is there not, Dennis Wilson? People have to act now. The 4th of January, you have an additional, I think, 30 or 60 days to get the funds in because some of these IRA accounts take a while to move. But yes, the initial application and declaration that you want to start the account needs to be signed by 1-4-23. Well, this is a golden opportunity. Go to wilson-financial.com, 800-696-9970, or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Happy Movie Monday to you. We are giving away three different DVDs. Well, I mean, the same DVD. You know what I mean. We have three different copies of the same movie. It's a documentary put together by D. James Kennedy Ministries of the Providence Forum. It's based on the book written by Dr. Jerry Newcomb and Dr. D. James Kennedy, uh, who's with the Lord now, Dr. Kennedy is. Um, and the book is called What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? And that's also the name of the documentary. And we've got three copies of that documentary to give away. This is a perfect Christmas holiday movie to watch. Um, it, it's And if you are, I mean, Lisa and I are kind of documentary nuts we're kind of geeky that that way we like to watch that type of stuff um this is so very well done because it really does it's kind of in a wonderful life type of sense you know uh, the idea that uh, george bailey had to figure out what life would look like if he had never been born if he, or if he hadn't survived and all of us at some point are going to have to deal with that as well i mean so that's why I love this. You know, if you take Jesus out of the equation, what does the world look like now? We talk about how the Lord is our only hope. And boy, uh, if you look at all the different areas that they have, all the categories that uh, Jerry Newcomb and Dr. D. James Kennedy's ministry uh, looked at with regard to the impact Jesus Christ has had on the world and would be having on the world, well, still is having on the world. Um, it's amazing to think about how he impacts the lives of even unbelievers. We got three copies of the documentary. Uh, to give away the documentary what if jesus had never been born crystal's taking your calls at 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 the number to get you through to the bottom line uh we've got three winners that we'll have between now and the top of the hour but if you don't win something this time give you a little hint there's another giveaway in the last half hour of the show okay um before the break i i teased this story about something that happened to a nativity scene. And, you know, we hear these stories all the time here in the States. There's a city that puts up their crash, their nativity scene, because it's been part of the city history for 100 years. And then some crabby atheists or angry humanists get get wind that it's going to be up there. And they say, no, we don't want that. You know, take that down. I'm offended. Or a Satanist group will show up and say, well, we want a Satanist, you know, display as well. And the city will cave and put them both up there. I have to admit that, one of the more interesting and maybe lighthearted, uh, you know, <laughs> depictions that we see sometimes, there is 
an organization that has received nonprofit status from the U.S. tax code government uh, called the Church of the, what is it, the Flying Spaghetti Colander or something like something like It has to do with spaghetti in a colander. I, I don't know why. Um, but it is interesting to me always when I see atheists or agnostics or people who do not have a Christian faith at all, don't believe in God, are so offended by the presence of the birth of Jesus depicted in a crush scene because if you don't believe in God, then why are you so upset? I mean, that's, and I would ask that to anybody with no snark, no malice. If someone said, hey, I don't like you, don't mention Jesus, don't sing, come let us adore him, Christ the Lord, I'd ask the question, well, what's the holiday called? Christmas. Okay, why is it called Christmas? Well, Christ Day. Okay, we celebrate the birth of Christ on that day. If you don't celebrate the birth of Christ, then celebrate Santa Claus and reindeers and elves and, uh, you know, good wishes and warm fuzzies. If you want to, 95% of Americans will celebrate Christmas this year. They'll exchange gifts. They'll put up a tree, put up the lights, you know, have the holiday Christmas parties. They'll do that. They will give gifts for this day. Lexus and all these other car dealerships are going to make more money for people giving a car for Christmas than for Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or New Year's Day combined. I mean, and I, I, don't, I honestly don't know anybody who celebrates Kwanzaa. And I know there's a gift exchange or something like that there. I've never heard of anybody saying, hey, check out my new Prius. I got it as a Kwanzaa gift from my dad. And I don't, there's no snark there. That's just a... Why the media has been so brainwashed into thinking that you have to say holiday gift giving instead of Christmas. It's okay to say Christmas. It really is. But there are places, apparently, I thought it was just kind of an American thing, but it's all over the world where all you have to do is set up the manger scene in front of your church or out in the street. And somebody who's angry and got an attitude who also would tell people they're very welcoming and inclusive will destroy it. But this story is really tough because... Um, there's a, a, a story coming out of Ipswich in England, the All Saints Church there. Uh, the manger scene was, nativity scene was set up in front of the church. And four days after it was set up, it was then smashed. Uh, there's an article uh, here at the thebottomlineshow.com <clears throat> from a publication called LBC that says locals are distraught after nativity scene at historic Ipswich Church was literally destroyed. It was smashed into bits, and they even went so far, pretty good size uh, characters here, they even went so far as to behead the figurine of Joseph. According to the Reverend Danny Morrison, who is the vicar of All Saints Church, he told local media that his congregation were distraught and saddened by what they considered to be a barbaric attack that literally left it in shambles. Uh, he then asked the question, and I think it's a fair question, why would someone have so much hatred <clears throat> and a desire to ruin and destroy something that isn't their property, something that's there to express someone's belief? And he said, you know, I'm also saddened because I know of the amount of work put in by so many at our church and for all the people who have done it. Now, when you want to talk about historic churches, this isn't the first time this has happened. The same nativity scene was targeted in 2018, and it was actually targeted several times that year. It's interesting, though, when you think about the, I mean, this is a, a nativity scene that's been around for a little while. But when you look at the history of the church, you begin to realize 
how this is such a fascinating story of how things have changed and stayed the same. All Saints Church in Ipswich was founded in the 13th century. It goes back to literally the 1200s. And the fact that the church has been there and has survived so long. And at the same time, though, we recognize that it survived these types of attacks before. It kind of makes you wonder, you know, what is drawing people to this church? I mean, there's always going to be, what is the old expression? Haters going to hate. There's always going to be somebody who will look at a nativity scene and it's going to, you know, set them off. And I feel for Reverend Morrison and his congregation, we said, I'm saddened to know so many people put in so much work at this church to set this up. I'm saddened people have done it. I'm saddened there's, you know, he, he says, what state might their life be like if they find pleasure in doing this? I'm trying to make sense of this. I really can't. One of and the other, uh, another member of the congregation who was interviewed by local press said that they, these vandals should be ashamed of their barbaric assault on a religious display. May I offer a different take on what happened here, why it happened, and how we can respond? I mean, I understand naturally. If that's my church, and I like going to this historic church from the 13th century, and we have a manger sequence, if you will, a nativity scene that's there, I definitely would be very, very hurt, and I'd feel a little threatened if, for some reason, someone had done this to our church. But on the other side of this break, I'd like to take some of the principles Dr. Jerry Newcomb and I discussed about what would happen in life if Jesus had never been born and apply them knowing he had been born and still lives among us even today as to how we can have a Jesus-like response to what happened at the church here. Let's talk about that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Roger Marsh here. Just want to take a moment to thank you for the outstanding support that you've shown to our friends at Preborn. Up to this point, we have a remarkable report to share with you. Uh, Preborn last year placed 25 ultrasound machines in pregnancy health centers all over the country. And this year, they're going to add one more. Thanks to bottom line listeners, you have raised over $15,000 for the purpose of putting an ultrasound machine in a pregnancy health center. But there's more. You've also raised enough money to save the lives of 240 babies. That's right. Their moms come into a preborn clinic. For every 100 women who come in, 83 will have an ultrasound and see the baby's image and decide, oh my gosh, that's my son, that's my daughter. They hear the heartbeat and they get excited either to become new parents or to become parents who will release those children for adoption. Your $28 donation makes this possible. A $280 donation means that 10 babies' lives are saved. $2,800 will save 100 babies. $1,400 will save 50. Now give us a call at 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Or go to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com today. You'll see a pre-born banner. Click on that banner and make your donation. It takes less than 28 seconds to make a $28 donation that will save a baby's life. Contact Preborn right now. Welcome back to this Movie Monday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. If you didn't get a chance to hear my conversation with Dr. Jerry Newcomb from the Providence Forum and Dr. D. James Kennedy Ministries about the brand new movie about what if Jesus had never been born, man, you got to go back and listen to what we just scratched the surface, but it's a great conversation to have. The movie is streaming everywhere, as they say, and there are also DVDs as well. The book and DVD collection is pretty, well, 
it's got a good price tag on it. So I'm grateful that we have three copies of the DVD that we're giving away between now and the top of the hour. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. This story out of England is just, uh, it's, it's heartbreaking. The uh, 13th uh, church, I want to say 1300 years old, the All Saints Church in Ipswich in England has been there since the 13th century. The Reverend Danny Morrison talking with local press about the fact that the new manger scene, the nativity scene, was erected outside the church, and four days later, vandals came by and smashed it. They destroyed it, basically. They decapitated the Joseph character. And again, these are pretty, I mean, it looks like it's full-size, life-size figurines. And there was so much, uh, you know, frustration and anger. The, the pastor asked, you know, what state is a person's life in if they find pleasure in doing this? I'm trying to make sense of it. I really can't. Some of the other members of the congregation were voicing their concern and saying, this is just, it's wrong. It's, 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 it's awful. But what can we learn from this? What, why is it awful? And, and you're asking, well, of course, Roger, we know why it's awful. It's because they were vandals and this. Yeah, but why? <clears throat> if Jesus had never been born, would anyone care if people stole from each other? If Jesus had never been born, uh, what standard would we have for the value of human life? Who's to say that someone wouldn't come into a church and say, I don't like what you're saying and shoot you? <clears throat> Excuse me. That is a huge question to ask and answer. But for those in the world right now who say, well, we don't believe that the Bible is a reliable source of morality and truth. Guess again, when these vandals are caught, they will be brought to justice. Why? Uh, seriously, why? If there is no God, if there is no Jesus, if Jesus didn't have any impact here, then it doesn't matter. It's a free for all, right? The strong survive, the weak get punished and run over. For those who would say, we got to get rid of capitalism because of greed and corruption. Well, ask yourself this question. Is the system the problem or is it the way it's been corrupted that's the problem? Capitalism is God's idea. You can see that all the way back to the book of Genesis. The free exchange and the uh, changing and bartering and buying and selling, that, that's God's economy. No question about it. But when people corrupt it and steal and lie and cheat, that's sin. That's not the system. What's the expression? Don't hate the player, hate the game. That's why it's been corrupted. It's because of sin. Jesus' footprint is all over this world. His handprint is all over this world in you and me living out biblical principles, obeying his commands because we're abiding in him. The answer to the question, what if Jesus would never been born, is answer to the fact that, well, all we can do is speculate as to what might happen because look at what happens because Jesus was born. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And thus, we find ourselves looking at a world where we can see the impact of God loving the world, sending his son to be born and to die to pay the penalty for our sin and giving us the opportunity to live for him. That is the good news, and that's the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. And Rabbi Schneider, Discovering the Jewish Jesus is coming your way next. For those who remain on the network, a visit with Trudy Kathy White, the daughter of the founder of Chick-fil-A.
We'll talk about that coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Well, welcome back to this Movie Monday edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Thanks to everyone who has called in uh, for our giveaway for those three DVDs of the documentary, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? And we'll be getting those out to the winners at hopefully get you time for Christmas to watch those things. Uh, as we continue here on the program, I mentioned earlier that we have another giveaway. We actually have a couple here too. Uh, our good friend Trudy Kathy White, the daughter of Truett Kathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, has been a regular contributor to the Bottom Line Show for many, many years. And we have a couple of her books to give away today, A Quiet Strength and uh, Christmas Memories. We've got them at thebottomlineshow.com and you can call 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. the number to get you through to the bottom line. Just wanted to give you a head start now. Let's revisit my conversation from last Christmas with Trudy Kathy White on today's edition of The Bottom Line. Well, as we approach the Christmas holiday and as we are roaming through Advent and anticipating not only the Lord's birth, but also the Lord's return, which is the part of the dual purpose of the holiday, uh, it's interesting how we spend a lot of time looking forward to anticipating Christ's return, but we also spend time looking back on that glorious day about 2,000 years ago. It's a very sentimental time uh, of year. And uh, joining me today on the program is a woman who's been a favorite of uh, Bottom Line Show listeners for many, many years, uh, talking about some Christmas memories and uh, and things that uh, she likes to share, especially coming from the fa- the family that she did, uh, the family that has a very delicious legacy. Trudy Kathy White is with me today here on The Bottom Line, the only daughter of Truett Kathy, who is the founder of Chick-fil-A. And we've got links for Chick-fil-A and also TrudyKathyWhite.com up at TheBottomLineShow.com. Trudy Kathy White, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Thank you so much. What a joy to be with you today. Well, it's a joyful time, too. Has this been a good Christmas season for you and your family up to this point? Oh, yeah. Well, we've uh, we've just come out of Thanksgiving, of course, and it's just wonderful to be able to Take the time just to express gratitude to people and to the Lord for so many things. I love it. I love it. And that's it's something that, you know, I there are people who would, you know, put a knock on getting the decorations up too early or, you know, that they have the right <laughs> time. But, you know, I, I saw a post the other day from a friend of mine in a social media page, and he said, hey, my brother celebrates his birthday for one entire month. So I think if he can do that, Jesus deserves at least two. <laughs> so um, I, I figured yeah. that's fair enough. Yeah, there you, know, there as far you as go. The, I, use, I love yeah, I love fall decorations, but I, I, I anticipate Christmas time, and I usually tend to wait till about December first, and we put them up, and I actually keep it on into probably mid-January or whatever. So it's a wonderful time that's of year wise. for sure. That's that's wise. Well, let's talk about some of the the fond Christmas memories that you have. I know you've written extensively about your relationship with your mom and what an influence that was for you, but but talk about uh, what it was like. I mean, I'm sure our listeners are just have ears peeled, ready to hear all the family secrets about what it was like to grow up in the <laughs> the household of Truett Kathy, especially at Christmas time. Was your dad a big or a big Christmas fan? I mean, did he kind of set the tone, or how did that all get going for you guys? Mom and Dad both loved to celebrate Christmas. Typically, Christmas Day for us was to get up and open some presents, and then we had to get dressed really quickly because it was the Kathy family reunion day. That was when all of our we got together with all of our aunts and uncles. So um, we didn't really seem to get to enjoy our presents very much. But I think that was kind of maybe the the culture back then that family would get together on Christmas Day, and we mm-hmm. just enjoyed eating together. But but my mom and dad both enjoyed celebrating, and particularly my dad 
typically would find uh, a young boy or girl, typically a boy, and that it was in need. I remember one time at Christmas, we got up and there's a bicycle by the tree, and we thought, oh, yay, we all got a bicycle, only to discover <laughs> that the bicycle was for this young fellow that my dad had met, a young boy that didn't have a bicycle at all, and he came mm. over on Christmas Day, and we were able to all give him that bicycle. So my mom and dad used the Christmas season um, in a big way to help us understand how to give to others, and particularly those that were were in need. And I, I just appreciate that so much. We try to do that as well with our, our own children and now even our grandchildren, for sure. We were able to take a trip um, out of the country with Honduras. And so for our children that year and grandchildren, uh, we were able to just go and buy a lot of things that were needed for the children we were going to see in Honduras, and we took them all with us. And then when we got there, we were able to wrap them all and give them out to children. And that was our Christmas. So it's a wonderful Mm. season to be able to give back to others for sure. I'm talking with Trudy Kathy White today here on The Bottom Line. You could, we've got the Chick-fil-A website up at thebottomlineshow.com and also her own, Trudy Kathy White, at The Bottom Line Show as well. Uh, that it's, I loved how you used that expression, Trudy, that that was our Christmas. Mm-hmm. The idea that it, wasn't, that it wasn't so much a we had to do all the shopping and get it all right for each other, but rather to say, let's find someone in need, let's find a need and meet it. And, and, and we'll make that, you know, basically the crux of our Christmas. I, I know that this was modeled for you, the family get-together, the reaching out to people and that sort of, of things. Um, what other things have happened in your family, Trudy, I mean, that you've kind of added to perhaps or maybe subtracted from and replaced with something else as far as Christmas memories and traditions? Sure. One of the things that we did with our children when they were small, I think it was our son, John John, he really wanted to open a present before Christmas Day. And I was kind of adamant about, no, we've got to wait till Christmas. And then I thought, well, maybe I could come up with a gift that I could give the children on Christmas Eve. And so I had this idea, maybe they could get Christmas pajamas. I think a lot of people do that now, but I, mm-hmm. I call them swaddling clothes. And so I would buy them pajamas, I would wash them, wrap them and put them under the tree. And on Christmas Eve, we'd sit down with our four children, and I would hand these gifts out to them that were just their pajamas, but I called them swaddling clothes. And we would Mm. go over and tell them about when they were born, where they were born, what were the circumstances, who was at the hospital when they were born, and just celebrate them coming into our family. And we would tell Mm. each one of them's birth story uh, again and just really celebrate their life. I think a lot of times... Uh, we forget to do that with our, our children to realize they are a gift from the Lord and to be yes. able to celebrate God giving them to us and recognize their uniqueness and their personalities that they have. And so they would put the pajamas on and then we would take a picture under the tree. And for years I did with the children and now that they're adults, we still do it and they buy pajamas for John and mm. for my husband and myself. And then we buy for all the rest of the children and we all put them on and then take a picture under the Christmas tree, around the Christmas tree, I guess I should say. But um, that's been a really fun tradition for, for us. It's both giving them something and also celebrating who they are. I love that. I'm talking with Trudy Kathy White today here on The Bottom Line about uh, Christmas memories and traditions in the uh, the family that founded Chick-fil-A. And we've got a link for her website up at thebottomlineshow.com. First and foremost, I appreciate the fact that you and your husband washed the pajamas before you put them under the tree. Because, and I, it's, it's just me. I, you know, there's that kind of smell that comes from the store and everything. Yep. I don't like to wa- wear okay. unwashed clothes. I mean, so I, I so appreciate that extra step. But on, maybe we should do a call on We'll do that some other time. But secondly, I love the 
fact that you were intentional in tying the birth of your children into the birth of Jesus to help them mm -hmm. see the humanity of our Lord and Savior and that he came into the world yeah. the same way you know we all did. And so he is able to meet us where we are and meet our needs. But then you get to see the glory of God and the majesty of mm -hmm. God that started in this in this manger in Bethlehem. And I, I, I've never heard that before. And I, th I think that's such a, uh, a unique way of sharing it. Please continue. Tell us more about the, the Kathy family Christmas <laughs> memories that are so fond of you, Trudy. Yeah, and, and in that story, we do um, take time to, of course, read the Christmas the Christmas story, talk of about course. Jesus being wrapped in swaddling clothes and, and all that. So it's a really special time. But I, but I feel like all year long, it's something that our family has tried to do is celebrate uh, members of our family um, with our grandchildren. We take them on some birthday weekends together uh, with our, our grandchildren. We have them together in the summertime. We do what we call a camp meepaw, and we have all of our grandchildren just come and hang out at our house with us. We play field games out in the front yard, and we, we do crafts together. We talk about the Lord, give them scripture to memorize. And so there's a way to really celebrate uh, this wonderful gift of Jesus Christ all year long. And of course, our prayer is for this next generation of young people that we would be able to, you know, be a light for them and point them uh, to Jesus. So Christmas is just a way to kind of get that kind of, kind of thing started, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And of course, it always comes with uh, uh, lots of love and laughter and some good food, too. Are there mm -hmm. any holiday recipes that uh, you, you picked up from mom and dad or maybe that you've started with your own family, Trudy Kathy White? You would you would think in a in a restaurant, a family that runs restaurants, we would have some. <laughs> but but honestly, honestly, there weren't. But mother fixes a Christmas meal. And I think just the traditional ones. But there weren't some really, really recipes that were uh, passed down to us, but I will have to say that our children have, have become really, really good cooks. So maybe that'll be changing with mm. the next generation. They'll have some special recipes that they'll pass down uh, to, to their children. But we we raise our children most of the time in Brazil. Uh, our family were missionaries there in Brazil. We had two of our four children born there, and so honestly, when our family gets together, the thing our children enjoy the most. Even if it's Christmas, they love to have rice and black beans and, uh, and and a little bit of meat and some fried bananas and things that, that are typical Brazilian foods. So it's kind of unique, something for us that if we get together, we will definitely have at least one Brazilian meal. I think that's awesome. And I think it's a wonderful testimony, not only to your family heritage growing up, but the fact that you were able to instill those values in your children. And, and they are, it just reminds us that the cultural surroundings around us don't have to necessarily dictate a, a, a bad path, but they can be a good path too. I was waiting for you to say, yeah, in our family, we got so tired of Chick-fil-A sandwiches. We have barbecued spare ribs or something like that because we, <laughs> we didn't want to have that reminder, but the, the beans and the rice and the meat and everything that uh, it's uniquely yours, but it's a, uh, carries on with the family legacy. Trudy Kathy White is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. We've got a link up for her website, trudycathywhite.com, up at thebottomlineshow.com. We're talking about Christmas memories that she remembers growing up as the daughter of Truett and Jeanette Kathy. And we've got a link for uh, her book as well, up at thebottomlineshow.com. More of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. 
You know, one of the things I love about the ministry of preborn is that in addition to the the actual practical things that we talk about, the fact that women come in for a free ultrasound and a free pregnancy test, and once they see that ultrasound, 83% of the time, a woman who sees the ultrasound and hears the baby's heartbeat for the first time is going to say, that's my son, that's my daughter, I can't wait to be a mom. Or they're going to say, wow, that is a baby that's just so beautiful, and I can't wait to release this child for adoption. Now, obviously, there's a third option that's legal in the People's Republic of California, but the beautiful thing about preborn is more hearts and minds are being changed by simply showing mom and dad the image of the baby. But it's more than just that. Of the 56,000 pregnancy tests that were given last year, of the 25,000 babies saved at preborn clinics just through the first six months of this year, do you know how many women are also giving their hearts to Jesus Christ? Nearly 200 women per week. That's over nearly five, more than 5,000 decisions for Christ this year alone. Pro-life, pro-baby, pro-mom, pro-gospel. We're saving more than just babies. We're saving souls with preborn. Your $28 donation makes that happen for one child. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229. Call now. Trudy Kathy White is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. TrudyCathyWhite.com is the website. Of course, uh, we had a conversation with her not too long ago about her book called uh, a Quiet Strength, Stories of the Life and Legacy mm-hmm. of Jeanette M. Kathy. And we've got a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com as well. In addition to being an author and a speaker, you're also a podcaster, Trudy Kathy White. Talk us, tell us about the Along the Way podcast. Yeah, it's just a great way for me to be able to share my stories. And that's exactly there. The podcasts are about 10 to 12 minutes. And I just take an excerpt of some, some experience that I've had of, of real life and what God has taught me about his protection and provision all along the way in life and his faithfulness. So anybody wants to uh, tune in and listen to those, I uh, hope they'll be encouraged for sure. Yeah, well, I, I, can, I can't imagine anybody not being encouraged, throwing double negatives out here, with the encouraging <laughs> words of Trudy Kathy White, because uh, your, your whole life has been one of, of encouragement. And uh, one of the things you write about at your uh, website at TrudyKathyWhite.com is the encouragement to, uh, to own your own legacy. And I'd love for you mm-hmm. to talk about that as we're talking about Christmas memories, because obviously your mom and dad cast a pretty big shadow. I mean, let's face it, I can't I can't drive more than a mile or two uh, without seeing a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And you you for me, that means good eating. And for you, that means a reminder mm-hmm. of, you know, all things good and wonderful and maybe not so wonderful about growing up in the <laughs> in the Kathy family. Uh, talk about what you mean by that, because I would imagine Christmas time is an opportunity either to. Uh, remember the good times of the past, or maybe to say, hey, if it if the road wasn't quite as straight as I was hoping it would be, let's do a course correction. Let's make some new memories here at Christmas. Yeah, you know, one of the things, I go back to my roots of growing up in a Christian home with a mom and dad who loved the Lord and talked to us about Him quite often, is the fact that they reminded us so much about the fact that God owns it all. Mm. And that has been... Uh, so very critical to me because it is stemmed from that uh, and the attitude of just gratitude for the things that we have. And I'm so thankful for parents that reminded us where, where things come from. Uh, the Bible tells us over and over again that God is God is the owner of it all. And when we can recognize that, then we become very dependent on Him and we thank Him for the things that He has passed to us for sure. Uh, I use a lot of things during the day to trigger my opportunity to thank the Lord for things. 
This sounds very, very simple, but Ziploc bags are something we never had when we lived in Brazil, but mm. we have them, you know, of course, all the time around here. So right. there is not a time, but what I go to use a Ziploc bag that I use it to, re- to remind me to thank God for the little things that he's done in my life or that he's done around me or that he's done in my family. And it's the little things that make, you know, such a, a big, big difference. Somebody once told me that when they drive past the Chick-fil-A store or a billboard about Chick-fil-A, they always use it as a chance to pray for the Kathy family and for a family business uh, that's, you know, working hard to honor the Lord. And I thought that was just so, so awesome that they would do that. And so developing that habit of living simple things kind of trigger your mind to be grateful to the Lord and thank Him for what He has done for us. I think sometimes we get very complacent and we lose our perspective on um, how wonderful life really is and how much the Lord has done for us. Maybe not in the things that we have, but just the fact that His faithfulness and His provision for us, His love for us uh, makes all the difference in the world. And the hope that I have has come from our relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'm so, so grateful for that. Trudy Kathy White is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. We're talking about growing up at the daughter of the founder of Chick-fil-A, but also the memories that she and her husband have been able to make with their kids and now their grandchildren, too. Did you call that Camp Meepaw earlier? That's correct. I love that. I mean, just get them all together, and I'm sure your children are like, yes, you kids are going to go, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Are the kids old enough to where they might push back a little bit and say, I don't want to do that this year, or that they still come running at you with open arms? Yeah, well, our grandchildren range from the age 16 down to four. So we've got a good range there. And so far, they all absolutely love coming to our house. You know, sometimes you think you have to do a lot of big, expensive things for for children. But I think like the simple things they really enjoy and the fact that we'll get out and do things with them. I mean, we play kickball out in the front yard. We take all 15 grandchildren. We go outside. We put some cones (laughs) out in the yard and we play kickball together. I mean, to have Mimi and Papa do it with them, they absolutely love it. We we put some simple crafts together. We spread it out a um, newspaper on, or not newspaper, just kind of butcher paper on the counter. And we pull out our scissors and our glue and stuff. And we all make crafts together and we cook our meals together. We do that for three days straight with our grandchildren. And it is absolutely a blast. So, so far they come running and ready <laughs> to, to do it with us and hang out. You know, just the gift of time. I think giving, giving people your, your time is is something time is something we don't ever get back. And so right. being able to be generous with our gift of time, with our family members, experiences are the best way to invest in relationships, I feel like. I love that thought, that sentiment from Trudy Kathy White today here on The Bottom Line. If we're talking about making Christmas memories in your family, TrudyKathyWhite.com is the website where you'll find information about uh, everything that Trudy is doing and also the uh, Along the Way podcast. We'll have that link up at TheBottomLineShow.com uh, as well. Trudy, we have a couple minutes left in our time together here, and I would love for you to uh, to help the we have a lot of grandparents who listen to our program and I know that the holidays can be a challenge. The kids are so much busier. And then of course they're super involved with their grandchildren. And sometimes it's kind of a hit and miss, you know, we we might get some time. We might not get as much time as we want. Uh, Talk to the grandparent who says, I always feel a little shortchanged at Christmas time and Mm -hmm. I want to make memories. I want to be intentional. I'm ready and willing, but it doesn't seem like I get a shot at it. What kind of encouragement do you have for those grandparents in that situation? 
I think that's a that's a great question. I I would really want to encourage them to remember to pray for their grandchildren. I think that's something we can do wherever we are is to to lift them up to the Lord. In my in the front of my journal, I have a list of all of our grandchildren, and then I have a column where I I'm marking the dates when I find out if they make a decision for the Lord, and I I write that down. But I I'm trying to be consistent as I can to remember just to to pray for them. I think we can always use technology. Grandparents, or a lot of grandparents are still keeping up with being able to use their cell phone and text. And a lot of times when we can't be around our grandchildren, we can send some messages. I know even with my little grandchildren, I will send a text to their parents and say, would you tell so-and-so such-and-such? Um, and it's just a great org. Obviously, you can call them and FaceTime with them, which is wonderful uh, if they're at a distance. I think grandparents play an important role in the lives of their grandchildren. And oftentimes, uh, grandparents forget to support what their own children are trying to do as parents uh, because it's not easy to raise the children in this day and time. Parenting is just a challenge. So anything a grandparent can do to continue to encourage their adult children, I think is so very important. And I, I think there are quite a few grandparents that are out there having, like you said, haven't even raised their grandchildren now. And... Um, Oh, my heart goes out to them. It's it's a it's a it's a challenge, but never forget uh, that God is faithful. And even in the hardest times, are the times that we learn the most. Uh, at the Christmas song that says, "Oh come, oh come, all ye faithful," uh, yes. that we're to be faithful to the Lord, and He'll be faithful to us for sure. Joyful and triumphant, indeed. And it's yeah, such a great encouragement right. from Trudy Kathy White. Thank you so much for the time today, Trudy, and for sharing your Christmas memories with us. We have a link for Trudy Kathy White up at thebottomlineshow.com, the Along the Way podcast up at thebottomlineshow.com, and also information about her books, including A Quiet Strength, The Life and Legacy of Jeanette M. Kathy, written by Trudy Kathy White, and all of that is linked up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, Trudy, thank you so much for your time. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from all of us here at The Bottom Line Show. Thank you, Roger. Merry Christmas to you all as well. And that concludes my conversation with Trudy Kathy White, the uh, daughter of the founder of Chick-fil-A, and uh, Trudy Tr- Kathy, of course. And she has written so many wonderful, uh, generous, uh, kind books about uh, people in her life and uh, the wonderful ministry that her family has. Uh, we have a link for TrudyCathyWhite.com up at TheBottomLineShow.com, and we have a couple of uh, her books that we're giving away right now that she's graciously gifted to us. One, A Legacy That Lasts, and another one, A Quiet Strength. Um, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. I encourage you to give us a call for these Trudy Kathy White books. I, I apologize in advance, but not really. Uh, every time we have Trudy on the show, she always sends me a thank you note and a card for a free Chick-fil-A sandwich. I, you know, it's really, uh, it's delicious. And of course, I'm not going to say no. But, uh, I, you know, it's amazing how the gift of generosity, the gift of hospitality rings so true this time of year. And boy, if anybody has perfected that art, it is Trudy Kathy White. Uh, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. We'll take a quick break and come back with some final thoughts in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Well, Dennis Wilson is with me today here on the bottom line. I'm Roger Marsh, 800-696-9970 or go to wilson-financial.com. 
there are a lot of people who have been really taking a bath when it comes to stocks this year, stock market off 25% in some segments. But yet you have a new program that's really designed to help somebody in that situation earn some of that loss back. It's obviously designed to do exactly that. It's a very limited offer on a 16% guaranteed return on your account in an account that in the next two years can never go down. It is a great vehicle to help people who have lost money because of the way the market is. But there is a time limit, is there not, Dennis Wilson? People have to act now. The 4th of January, you have an additional, I think, 30 or 60 days to get the funds in because some of these IRA accounts take a while to move. But yes, the initial application and declaration that you want to start the account needs to be signed by 1423. This is a golden opportunity. Go to wilson-financial.com, 800-696-9970, or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial. My thanks again to Trudy Kathy White, the found daughter of the founder of Chick-fil-A, Truett Kathy, and his wife, Jeanette. Um, we've got a couple of her books up at thebottomlineshow.com. We've got a link for her website as well. And we're giving those books away right now. So I know it's Movie Monday. We don't have a... Uh, Chick-fil-A movie to talk about, but we do have Chick-fil-A history and legacy to talk about. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, I think about the White family or the Kathy family legacy and then White family legacy too, and I think it's wonderful. And one of the things I, I, I am encouraged by with the Kathy family is the simple fact that the legacy lives on. They've been through so much scrutiny, especially over the past 10, 12 years, and yet they continue to remain faithful to the biblical foundation that the company had, uh, for the most part. I mean, there have been some areas where they may have done some things that uh, some of us in the body of Christ might not have completely agreed with, but, you know, they sell chicken sandwiches, that's what they do, and, you know, you're going to run your business the way you are. But I want to encourage you today in the final moments here, as we are talking family legacy and new traditions being built all the time. New way, I know in our family, because we've got half of our kids live in Texas now and we've got to figure out travel plans and some we're going to see and some we're not going to see. And are we going to see them on the 24th or 25th or are we going to see them on the 28th, 29th? Um, you know, it's amazing to me how we can flex with these traditions so easily. And yet when it comes to uh, the things that we need to hold on to, it's not the traditions that we hold on to. It's the reasons for the traditions. As I shared earlier about a church that was built in the 13, 13th century in England and had their nativity scene crushed, chances are they didn't have that kind of nativity scene in 1289, you know, or 1450 or something like that. Uh, but the, here's the good news, though, and this is the, the bottom line. We think about the traditions, and I, I remember having this conversation with Gloria Gaither. Uh, Bill and Gloria Gaither are legendary Christian musicians, and she had written a book about the holidays, and we were talking about what the, you know, the baking of the pies or the hanging of the tinsel, or, you know, whatever it was, and she said, you know, the traditions are, impor are important because people like to sh celebrate them when things are going well, but the traditions are probably even more important when times are tough, when the relationship isn't going quite right when your faith doesn't feel good. She said, because those are the things that can sometimes hold us together when everything else, quote unquote, isn't working right. And I've never forgotten that because I want to encourage you as you head into this Christmas season this week, knowing that you might be showing this movie, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? You might even be asking the question, well, he was born and it doesn't feel like he's really having an impact on my life. What then? 
Or can you imagine what this world would be like? I know there are a lot of people who say, oh yeah, we're all in love and you know this, that, and the other thing. But if you take Jesus out of the equation, what do you have? I mean, you have Lord of the Flies, not King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This Christmas season, I want to encourage you to honor the traditions that are honorable, create new traditions and let them happen organically. And feel free, you have my permission, to retire some of the traditions that you do and did and you really don't know why. Let God do something new through the birth of his son in your life and in your family and in your faith. Let the newness of that new life lift you up and encourage you as you continue to seek and grow deeper in relationship with him. That is good news, and that's the bottom line.